Welcome aboard. I'm Brad. I'm Eric. And I'm Scott. Welcome to My Ship Story Podcast. This is a podcast where we invite crew members, both past and present, to tell their stories about life at sea. So come up to the pool bar and grab a drink. Sit back, relax, because it's time for My Ship Ship Story. Story. (laughs) God, that was terrible. Welcome aboard, everybody. My name is Brad. Let's check in today with uh, with Scott because uh, he's out in California. How's it going out there, Scott? Uh, it's going great, man. I decided to come out here and hang out with my uncle for two weeks, and uh, this is you know my first break away from you know since the COVID and stuff. And I decided, hey, I'm going to go to LA and hang out with my uncle. I'm going to go on a food tour. So I've been trying to eat everything that I can, all of the you know stuff you see on Netflix and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it feels like I didn't, before I came out here, I didn't eat for like five days. And then I, you know, I weighed myself before I came out here and I'm like, I'm sure I'm going to be walking a lot, exercising. I've gained six pounds. All right. In less than two weeks? (laughs) Jesus. Uh, In less than a week. Today is a week. Wow. You may, you may need it for the trip back. You know how, what a schlep it is from California to Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, how about you, Eric? Got anything? Got anything going on? Got anything exciting? Uh, not all that much, but I am going to be heading out to New York soon for a family wedding, and I'm excited about that because just like you, it's the first time since COVID that I get to go anywhere outside of Middle Tennessee. So I'm I'm really excited about going to New York, even just for a, a, a weekend. Well, as wait. for me, uh, yeah, that sounds good. As for me, I plan on going nowhere. So there we go. Well, let's get to our guest. We've got a very special guest today because we have a guest that is uh, adjacent, very, very adjacent to one of our previous guests, uh, Ricardo Vega. And that was a that was a great episode. If you have not listened to Ricardo Vega's episode, go and listen to it. It was so fun. It was our first, really our first guest from, um, I think, another crew from NCL. And yeah. uh, one, one of the first guests that we had on that... Um, the three of us did not know, but we found out that we were all very, we had one degree of separation from a lot of people. So it was, it was really, really interesting. So uh, I'd like to welcome aboard Carrie Sue Vega to the podcast. Welcome aboard, Carrie Sue. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Relive some fun ship stories. First thing, first thing we want to know. So uh, did you grow up in Oklahoma? I did. I grew up in the thriving metropolis of Ponca City, America. Which is, Ponca City is a great town. It yes, really is. It's it really, is. it's a really neat, neat okay, place. Okay, for us non-Oklahomans, where is well, Ponca Oklahoma, City? I've never been to Ponca City. So no, but I don't even know where it is. It's straight, it's north central, so straight up I-35, almost to Kansas, and it's the Conoco Oil Company. The Marland Mansion, which was E.W. Marland who founded Conoco, um, is this huge Italian villa that literally rivals anything that you'll see in Italy. It's beyond amazing. That, and then there's this old swimming pool, Wentz swimming pool that's pushing 100 years, and it's huge. And the tile work is all Art Deco, and um, it used to have the high dive and a, and well, it used to have a, a high dive and a low dive, and then a really high dive, and the two. Two high dives are closed now. You can blow dive 
anyway, oh, wow. it's a great place. So how, how far from Oklahoma City is that? It is right at an hour and a half. Okay. Is that Straight. in the same direction as you, Brett, or in an opposite no, direction? No, no, no. She's north of Oklahoma oh, City. North, south. I'm west. I'm west. You're west. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Northwest. Northwest. A little so bit. you're about, yeah. the same, uh, about the same distance from Oklahoma City to Tulsa, because that's about an hour and 45 minutes. But that's Tulsa this way and Oklahoma City straight up. Exactly. Make a triangle. Cool. Awesome. Okay. So, hey, uh, so Brad, how... uh, talk about um, one degree of separation. I found out after talking to, uh, or actually on the podcast that we did with Ricardo, that some of your friends live literally down the street at the end of my street that work for UCO. Really? Yeah. Where do you live? I live in a, in a neighborhood called Twin Oaks. Uh, it's a husband and wife. They both work for UCO. And I see Excellent. him walking all the time, and they're like, "Yeah, we were, we listened to Ricardo." How funny! Yeah, we well, yeah, okay, to UCO. Family on a road trip. UCO is UCO. A, a Universal Central um, Oklahoma. There's OCU, which everybody knows, and but UCO. Come on, Eric. Keep up with it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep up with this Oklahoma lingo. No, no. <laughs> uh, what's the mascot of, of UCO? The, the Fighting Bron- what? Bronco. The Bron- Broncos. Broncho, spelled B-R-O-N-C-H-O. The yeah, the bron- Bronchos. Yes. Not, not to be confused with the band Broncho, which is a good, <laughs> cool band. Uh, anyway, <laughs> hey, so how does uh, a girl growing up in Ponk City go to work on cruise ships? Yeah, how did you even know what happen? a cruise ship was? Exactly, exactly. I watched the Love Boat, you know, when I was in junior high and thought that that was amazing. That was the only thing I what, Was it the American Love Boat, the German yes. Love Boat, or the Jamaican Love Boat? <laughs> the American Love Boat. Okay, all right. Yeah. Yes, never had seen a ship been on a ship. Um, So I went to school at Oklahoma State and my degree is in recreation. For part of my um, graduation requirements, I had to do an internship. So I found South Seas, it used to be called South Seas Plantation on Captiva Island, Florida, um, down by Naples. And so I went down there and did my internship and of course, loved it, had a blast. And my internship supervisor is the one that said, you need to go work on a cruise ship. And I'm like, okay, sounds fun. And at the time... So there's a professional organization, as everyone has, you know, the Resort and Commercial Recreation Association. One of the ladies in that group worked for NCL. She was the lead youth coordinator, and she did all of the hiring for um, the youth coordinators. Back then, you had to have a degree in recreation or something equivalent to be a youth coordinator. So um, I went out, let's see, it was called the C word at the time for a trial run over Thanksgiving to see and was able to swing. Now, now, wait a minute. On your week that you did this, like our last guest, Tanya, did you spend a week and did absolutely nothing and just toured around and and uh, just had a had a cruise? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> just kidding, Tanya. I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, you're, you were, we were thrown into it. You know, you had a group of kids. We had three to five year olds, six to eight, nine to 12 and teenagers. And so no, no, no. you (laughs) you were thrown into your group of kids and here's programming and keep them entertained and went back to Celsius and and was able to work there until Christmas when I went back on for a month for seasonal. And then there was a full-time position for me and, that's how it all started. So you started as a youth staff. I started as a youth coordinator. You worked your way all the way to cruise director. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, and only for NCL. Didn't work for any of the cruise lines. Right. I was I was only for NCL. And I didn't start on ships with the goal of becoming a cruise director. I mean, I thought, oh, this is going to be a fun gig for 
you know, a summer before I get a real life. That summer turned into 10 years. I have to say that you're the only, I mean, I've met a lot of cruise directors in my time. You're the only one that I've ever heard started as a youth coordinator on the youth side. Yeah. I I mean, I was not, um, you know, sometimes passengers would say, when are you going to entertain? When are you going to sing or dance? And I'm like, no, I, I introduced the professionals. (laughs) So you're not an entertainer. You're not a singer or dancer or anything like that. You, you, but, but I am curious, what, how did you go from youth staff to crew staff? Because that's a pretty, pretty big jump. Well, youth, youth on NCL, youth was part of the crew staff. Well, Um, yeah, but they were kind of different. It just all, I mean, I was a youth coordinator. I was on the Norway and one of the hostesses, I want to say she had an a, like an appendix rupture or something and she had to be taken off in Miami. And the assistant cruise director came to me and said, you're supposed to go home tomorrow, but um, we need you to stay and take over as a hostess. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and so it just kind of naturally progressed from there to as a hostess, as a social hostess, there was always somebody who was also kind of like the cruise director's assistant who did the um, admin work and the cruise news updates and stuff like that. Back in high school, my mother made me take typing one, typing two in office practice because what else was a girl to do? And so that actually paid off because I had great skills. And so I went from hostess to basically the cruise director's assistant to, I can't even remember the first time I filled in as ACD. I really can't remember that. Um, I do remember the first time I filled in as cruise director, though I was on vacation. It was a three and four day ship that was the leeward out of Miami. Peter Grant, who was my boss shore side, called and said, Hey, we have an emergency. We need you to fill in on the leeward. Um, oh, by the way, as cruise director. And I was like, what? <laughs> now, now, when you went from, from ACD, like, you know, I, I don't know about NCL, but on Royal Caribbean, that was a highly competitive to get that cruise director spot. What Was anybody gunning for you or trying to railroad you or anything? Because I don't remember any problems. I remember, of course signing on and thinking, what in the world have I got myself into? I don't even know this ship. I mean, both Ricardo and I, I think he told you, you know, we worked for the company for years before we ever even met. One of the things I think to my benefit is I was always flexible. I was like, send me wherever you need me and I'm happy to go. I didn't, I I wasn't like, this is my ship. I'm not going anywhere. And so I'd never even been on that ship. And so I was like, you know, <laughs> coming on as cruise director. Uh, it was, and I remember the, he was the DJ at the time. And of course I'm drawing a total blank on his name. Um, I remember him pulling me aside and saying, you've got this girl, you've got this, you know? And, and he was like, we love you. You're going to be awesome. You got this. So how long did it take from joining as a youth coordinator to becoming cruise director? Um, I started in 1990. It was late 96 when I became CD. I was well, that's pretty good. That's wow, good. Fast. I was young. I look back on that and I was young. I mean, I wasn't even 30 yet. And yeah. But that was a great, that was a really good time. It was kind of like the same with us. We were similar times, both NCL and Royal Caribbean were expanding. You know, they were building these big ships, they were buying ships and all this stuff. So they needed a lot of people and they needed people to fill those positions. And so they moved people up really fast. To become cruise director, you know, internally, going up through the ranks, it usually took a while. And, and, you know, I hate to say this, but especially as a female, because at least Royal, 
you know, they, they didn't promote female to cruise director for a very long time. Now, now you see them all the time, but not, not, not in the nineties. Yeah, no, I look back on all that and I'm just like, that was, that was crazy. The amount of responsibility I had as a young American female working from with, Oklahoma, from Oklahoma, right? <laughs> the entertainment capital of the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, working with all the, you know, Norwegian officers and just all the different nationalities. And it was, I got to ask before we get to your, your stories that you want to tell us, what was it like going out as cruise director on your first voyage with the microphone on the stage having to do like a welcome aboard, I'm your cruise director, blah, blah, blah. I don't remember it being scary or anything. I think I just, my personality is jump in head first to ask questions later. I think I had been given opportunities as an assistant enough that I wasn't, I was worried that I didn't know the ship that well. And so I was worried about that. But as far as the, you know, walking out, hi, welcome aboard, that type of stuff. I was never really intimidated by it. And I, I don't know if it's, like I said, just jump in head first and <laughs> survive. Or if I'd had, I probably had had enough cruise directors that I worked with, I admired. And you worked with some that you loved and you worked with some that you're like, I'm never going to do that. And so I think I'd worked with enough of them that I'm like, I felt like I had the, the training and, and you, yeah, borrow, a, you borrow yeah. things, you know, you, you hear things uh, that other people have, have done and said, and, and you, you know, you repeat that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's exactly yeah, that's the way, that's the way, that's the way things work. <laughs> yeah, so the, there was a cruise director on the Norway, and I can't remember his last name, but I know his name was Luis, who Luis was, Lamar. what was this? Luis Lamar. I, and I think if it's the, I can't remember if he's the same one, but I would assume he is, that was, he actually went to my, my same high school. He was, he was a few years older um, than, than, than I am. So he must have been maybe like five years older than me or something like that, yeah, four or five. He was, if it's the same Luis. From um, Miami. Yeah, he was he yeah. was CD on the Norway when I was a youth coordinator. Yeah, see, one degree of separation. Yes. <laughs> Let's get into a ship story. Hi, I'm Carrie Sue Vega, and this is my ship story. I know you already interviewed Ricardo. We were looking back on that ship that we met on. It was the Norwegian Star out of Houston. It was an old ship that when we met, it was probably 97. There are six couples from that ship that met on that ship and are still married. Wow. I know. Wow. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them, um, well, all of them were still in contact with. Wow. And these were crew members. Um, Joanne Stig, she was the fitness girl. He was um, the hotel director that Ricardo play, replaced on vacation. AJ and Holly, he was my assistant and Holly was a dancer. Catherine and Frank, she was a dancer. He was the doctor. Kristen and Justin, she was a dancer. He was the gift shop manager. Um, Joe and Vanessa, he was a host. She was a dancer. I mean, it was, it was, wow. it was the love boat. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's one of those things you meet people on ships and, you know, they're lifelong friends, you know, and you just easily catch up again. And it's, it's so cool. Just like, you know, I never thought like 20 years, 25 years after I left ships that I'd be doing a podcast with Scott and Brad. I <laughs> Not in a million years that I think that would happen. Exactly. It's so nice to have people that understand your life. As we all know, life on ships is so different than life on land. Um, <laughs> and you talk to anybody yes. else like like on life on land that that didn't work on ships and their eyes are like glassed over it's like they're like they have no idea what, what was going on or where you're coming from exactly when we first moved to oklahoma city one of the first people that we met her name is suzanne and she was a godsend she totally took us under wing um she <laughs> referred to us as adult newborns living on a ship for so long 
and then moving to land, you know, our friends were 10 years ahead of us. We didn't know anything about, you know, insurance and electricity and gas and, you know. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that weird? Like to come into it and you're like an adult and all your friends are like, you know, they've got to jump on you. I mean, I was starting before I even had a checking account. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going to make your bed in the morning. Like you have to cook for yourself, you know, all that stuff that you just, you know, come back in from work and you look at your house and you're like, the hell is it so messy? So I still, crazy. I still struggle, struggle with laundry and cooking my own food. I really, <laughs> I still struggle with that a lot. I moved to Oklahoma city first, found a rental house for us. And this was before Facebook. One of my mom's friends lives in Oklahoma city and she lives in the ritzy part of Oklahoma city. It's called Nichols Hills. And um, so she, you know, had friends who was realtor and the realtor found us a rental house. And, you know, it was all a friend of a friend deal. And when Ricardo, came to town he was like what have you done <laughs> look at this neighborhood <laughs> and then he opened the refrigerator and he's like what have you been eating and i'm like oh well there's this cute little restaurant down there and there's a little place down there and he's like are you not cooking and i'm like no that's crazy nichols yeah. hills is the old for those people that don't know it's kind of the old really where the really rich people live the old that's rich the old money people. Yeah, the old money. I think uh, Gallardi is where the new rich live now. That's the blue blood. The nickel is the red blood. Yeah, so moving moving the land was you know quite eye opening as as you all can relate. Like you said a minute ago about telling people about your life on ships and they kind of glaze over. I learned real quick that I needed to be careful with some of my stories that I would tell people because the luxuries that we had and that we got to go, nobody our age had done those things. I learned real quick to turn the conversation around back to them and ask them questions (laughs) over the, over the 10 years on ships. I tallied it up today and I didn't realize I was on 12 different ships, you know, tons of different itineraries. I started in the Caribbean when I was promoted to hostess. I got sent after being on the Norway, got sent out to a ship out of LA and that was funny because that was kind of like the all the other ships were in the Caribbean at the time. So I was on a ship out of LA and it was three, three and four day cruises out of San Pedro, you know, Catalina and Ensenada. And I hate those cruises. Yep. <laughs> we, I was there. I was there. Was it, did it feel like you were getting like punished or something when you got sent there? Did, was it, was it that bad? I mean, oh, no. for, it was for, for me, it was like, oh gosh, I'm getting sent out to San Pedro again. What have I done now? <laughs> No, it was fun because we were far away from the office and, you know, on Fridays we sailed late so we could rent a car and go do our thing. And um, there were a couple of times, like I took one of the captains, his family was visiting. And so I was their driver and took him to Universal Studios and Disney for the day. And I remember (laughs) coming home to Ponca City. I'd been driving in Los Angeles. And you get back to Ponca City. And I go to Ponca City and and it was like four o'clock in the afternoon and I was going to run out to Walmart or something. And my mother was like, oh, Conoco's getting out the traffic. And I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that cracks me up about other cities. Talk about traffic. If you've ever lived in a big city or, uh, you know, again, or Los Angeles. Uh, even when I came to Nashville, I was like, this is nothing compared to Los Angeles. When I go to Oklahoma city, I'm like, Oh God, how do these people deal with this traffic? (laughs) Uh, Thinking about some of the things, you know, when I was a youth coordinator, you know, this was in the early nineties and we used to take kids ashore, me and another youth coordinator. I can't believe parents would do this. I mean, they would send you know, eight or 10 kids with two 20 something year olds. And we'd take them to the beach. 
in Mexico, or we used to go to Seven Mile Beach. You know, we'd take them on a tender in Grand yeah. Cayman, and take them to Little Megan's Bay. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, know. <laughs> I look back on that, and I'm like, those parents were crazy. <laughs> No, I gotta ask. So as soon as you said that, did you did any of you guys or do you know anybody who ever lost a kid? No, we didn't. We never lost a kid. Um, I do remember um, you know, this was also our crew passes were typed on a typewriter and your picture was taken and then laminated. I remember making my own little laminated card with the port agent, their phone number and stuff like that, because I'm like, nobody told me to do that, but I'm like, okay, I got 10 kids. What happens if I end up somewhere and I need help. I mean, we didn't have cell phones. So no, yeah, we didn't. That's have really crazy to say like 10 kids, like, Hey, yeah, we're just going to go shore in a foreign country. And yeah. this yeah, 20 we'll something year old is going to be responsible. Yeah. I'll see you later. You'll be okay with that's the 20 year old. Crazy. Yeah. I, I had high school kids in Bermuda and we would hop on the bus and um, go over to the beach. Their parents would be like, yeah, sure. Like, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Times have changed. <laughs> Times have changed. I remember when we took our son on a cruise. It was actually um, Royal Caribbean. Um, it was the first cruise that we took him on. Former crew member in the back of my head here. I'm like, okay, it's our son in the event of an emergency. What's his life? You know, what do you? Where? What's your protocol? It was high season, and the poor youth coordinator. It was their first time, and they knew. I mean, they were looking at me like, I have no idea, lady. I just got off work. I'm like, I'm not leaving my kid with you unless I know where I'm going to meet you. Times now, on your uh, on your twelve ships, were uh, uh, what were the uh, the most party ships like? And uh, do you guys, with not the kids, like you and the, your friends and stuff, do you guys ever almost miss or miss the cruise ship or uh, any drunken party stories? Who had the best oh, party? We- Plenty. I mean, we worked hard and played hard, as you know. And, you know, when you're young like that and right out of college, you don't know any different. You, I remember on the European runs where you would have like six time zones instead of taking advantage of those reverse, you know, go to bed an hour. It's like, no, we're going to stay up an extra hour. And then by the end of that contract, you're like, you know, <laughs> cross-eyed. The Star Wars was out of San Pedro. And those three and four day cruises, I mean, the people who came on the three day cruises, that was all they were there for was a big party. And then all of a sudden as cruise director, I'm like, oh, I'm responsible for these, this staff. And, and so all of a sudden I'm like, oh, you know, that old saying, we're all on the same ship together. Yes, you can go to the crew bar and you can do that stuff. But now all of a sudden, you're their boss. <laughs> yeah, you got to be the mom or the dad now. Exactly. <laughs> all those musicians. You got to be the one. Now you're going to be the one saying, um, hey, guys, take it easy. You know, use your head. Don't be staying up too late. You know, you've got to be at yeah, work. Okay, so. in the morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, curfew. Yeah, no, musicians did have a, a, a bit of a reputation for partying it up quite a bit. Do you have um, any other stories you want to well, get it? I remember, you know, as the years progressed, I would think, oh, I need to get a real life. And then, a you know, a new ship or a new itinerary. And I'm like, okay, I can maybe do this a little bit longer. When right after Ricardo and I met, NCL had opened up Europe. And I remember one of the big shoreside bosses was, um, you know, in town for the day on the ship. And um, I said something about sending me to Europe and he was, he was European. And, you know, he was looking at me like, you're from Oklahoma. What do you know about Europe? And I'm like, I can read and learn. (laughs) And I ended up getting to go to Europe. And so again, that was like, okay, I could do this for a few more years. And Ricardo and I were dating, um, once it be, once we became engaged, then technically 
we weren't supposed to be on the same ship because we were senior management. Yeah. Usually yeah. you're not on the ship unless you're yeah, tied no. together. You know. Yeah, but there there is, I mean, it depends when when two people are very senior, it there 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 is a bit of a conflict of interest there that you can run up against if you have like the two more senior people in the ship are together as a couple, it does present problems. Uh, it could present problems. So I understand why they were saying no, but at the same time, you know, when you're working at sea, it's so much better, obviously, when people are together to have them working with one another. But you can imagine if the hotel director and the chief purser at the time are a couple, that's that's dangerous. That's just, you know, uh, you know, it, it could cause issues. Exactly. Yeah, I can see that. Was that part of was that part of the reason that you finally left ships was that you know relationship was getting in the way of of the job? Yeah. Or the job was the job was getting in the way of the relationship. Yeah, sorry, I, I think said that's that more likely. Yeah. I said that backwards, sorry. I was, I was following. Yeah, I mean there, and and because we both were kind of relief positions, there were times that we got to overlap and work together. Like I remember on the Norway, um one of our favorite favorite captains, Gary Logan, um, who he's passed away a couple of years ago, but um, we were doing a transatlantic and we were working together and um, we weren't engaged yet. And Gary Logan at the, we had the captain's party at the beginning of the cruise. And then towards the end, we had the repeat passengers, the latitudes party. And um, he introduced us as being engaged and both Ricardo and I were like, and Garlokan, you know, afterwards he was like, I know, I know you're not yet, but you need to be. When are you gonna take, you know, when are you gonna take care of this, Ricardo? And <laughs> so we had people who liked us, but just from a policy perspective, you know, like you were saying, Eric, um, it was hard. I mean, Europe was amazing, so amazing. A little girl from yeah. Ponca City. I'm like, really? You know, I read about this stuff in my history books and getting to go over there, I think probably I spent a lot of time actually. The Norway and the Norwegian Dream were the two ships that I was on over there. And at the Norwegian Dream, we did 12 and 14 day Scandinavian capitals. Itinerary. Oh, that, I love Scandinavia. Oh my God. It was amazing. Some of my favorite places in the world. Exactly. We sailed out of Dover and they actually retrofitted the smokestack on the Dream. So it um, had a hydraulic, um, oh, yeah. hydraulic system in it. So we would pop the top as we got into the first lock because it didn't fit underneath the bridges through the keel canal. And right. so that was always a big deal. We would do a big, you know, everyone go out on the deck and watch us pop the top. And then we would, you know, go underneath our first bridge and the smokestack would stay popped open all the way through the keel canal. And, you know, you're like looking through people's windows at their homes. You were almost so close to them because the wow. ship was too big. It was amazing. Amazing. And yeah, Russia. And I actually wanted to get married in St. Petersburg, but Ricardo as the hotel director and, you know, he had to deal with the um, officials and clearing the ship and all that. And he was like, no, yeah, <laughs> we're not getting married in Russia. I'm like, but think how romantic it is. How cool is this? Cool. Uh, that would be pretty cool. No matter where we were or where I sailed, his souvenirs were the little um, shot glasses or a t-shirt or something. I always bought like ridiculous things. In Turkey, I bought three rugs. <laughs> oh, wow. Cool. Try to get those back. Did you ship them back? Well, um, <laughs> No. In addition to all my luggage, which that's a whole nother story. Actually, that's a fun story. Um, We've, we heard we heard a little <laughs> bit about your luggage. <laughs> 
So all the, all, I'll tell you how I got all that stuff back. So um, Ricardo's theory, when he traveled, you know, he wore a uniform, so he didn't need that much luggage. And if he couldn't carry it, he didn't take it. And my theory, you know, I first of all, I'm female. Without space. <laughs> exactly. I, I had a cruise director. I'm like, I need clothes. And this was before 9-11. And I had four bags that I would check and then two carry-ons. And (laughs) one of the other hotel directors, his name was Armando. And he would always say, "Um, will somebody please help Mademoiselle Cruz director with her hat boxes? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, we were... Um, our vacations were lining up. And so he signed off the Norway and came and joined me on the dream for like the last four days of my contract. And then we were going to, when we got to Dover, we were going to hop on the channel and take the train to Paris for a few days before we came back to London and flew home for our official vacation. It was time for me to start packing. And so my cabin steward starts bringing all of my luggage and he brings a box that the carpenters made for me. I still have like four boxes up in the attic trunks that you know they made out of plywood and handles put a lock on it lock on it and um so they my cabin store is bringing all this luggage in a trunk and ricardo's sitting there like starting to hyperventilate and he's like i'll be back and after the fact he told me he's like i had to go for a walk i'm thinking we're gonna hop on the channel with your four bags (laughs) and a box we're gonna have like like a coffin I really thought you were going to say they'd made you some Filipino suitcases. Well, that would be yeah, kind of <laughs> but a, a nicer version of the Filipino suitcase. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah, nicer version, much nicer version. Yeah. It was solid. But so he, um, on his walk, he reached out to our favorite port agent in Europe ever. His name is Sammy Mifsford. Um, He called Sammy. He's like, Sammy, I need your help. Carrie Sue is signing off and we're supposed to go to London. And, and Sammy goes, I got you covered, Ricardo. <laughs> so I'll Sammy, have the crane waiting outside. Of- <laughs> <laughs> so Sammy had a van and took all of my hat boxes and my box and took those straight to London. And we just took our, you know, weekend bags and we got off the train at the train station in Paris. And I kid you not, passengers, you know, were like, oh, Carrie Sue, yay, can you help us? We can't find our luggage. We don't know where our hotel is. Oh, so no. Like, are you, buddy? Uh, I'm off. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, good luck. <laughs> Who are you? Who are you? Uh, I mean, that's the hard part about when you're in front of guests all the time, like your job was that everybody recognizes wherever you go. You know, as pursers, when we were on the front desk, yes, people recognize us. But once we got into the back office, it was it was great because no passenger was going to ever recognize us, you know, because we just weren't in front of guests, you know, very often. So it was a little bit easier. But and, yeah, and we were imagine. in uniform, so everybody thought we were foreigners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can play the English card. No, no sparking to English. <laughs> yeah. Probably one of the I, one of the fun stories um, was on the Norway. I signed on, um, and it was two theme cruises back to back. The first one was an Elvis theme cruise. All of the Elvis impersonators and oh, the Elvis, nice. you know, the taking care of business band. I mean, by oh, the wow. end, 
by the end of the week, I'm like, if I hear another Elvis song, I'm going to jump. Um, <laughs> Gary Loken, our captain, our favorite captain, he was so funny. By the end of the week, when he would sign off his announcements, he would say, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for your fun and love. <laughs> and the week after that was a country music cruise and um kenny chesney was on that cruise oh wow. Was, oh wow right it was before he was you know it was before he was really big his i think his first single had come out and kenny was so fun and you know captain's quarters for private parties and um, i got to sit next to him at the captain's table for dinner i always love to tell the story especially with what i do now teaching kids table manners and stuff he was so funny and so down to earth and normal um, he had on his Tevas and his puka shell necklace and his jacket. And it the, was formal night. It was formal <laughs> night. Exactly. The busboy was coming around um, placing bread on everyone's bread plates. And um, as soon as the busboy put my bread down, Kenny picked it up and started eating it. And so I kind of joked and I'm like, your bread plates the other direction. And I taught him the B and the D about for bread plate and D for drink. Anyway, he was like, thanks, you got to help me out. I've never done this before. And it was, you know, <laughs> it was, it was fun. And we had a great time. With the Elvis cruise, did a lot of people dress up as Elvis during the week? It oh my was gosh. like a lot of people or just. There were people that I think they thought they were Elvis. Um, there were, <laughs> there were Elvis impersonators that brought their fan clubs with them. Oh, Wow. wow. <laughs> Yes. And we had, you know, you uh, passenger talent show was always a hit. Well, we had the Elvis passenger talent shows more oh, than man. once and the Elvis impersonators would, you know, we had to make sure we blocked off a section for their fan club. It was, and That's I mean, so people funny. would stay up all night. I remember coming around the corner and there were ladies that had those scarves that Elvis would, you know, hand out. And these ladies had their scarves and they were talking about, you know, the concert that they were at, that they had this star scarf came from and this, and I mean, people would just cry talking about Elvis. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. oh, never oh, wow. oh so a little, little Elvis impersonation tidbit. If you, if, if any of you are fans of the golden girls, there's an episode where like four Elvis impersonators come in and I don't remember the, the just behind it, but one of the, one of them is Quentin Tarantino. Yes. It was the yes. Elvis impersonator before he started in the movie. And Bruno Mars was the, was the kid Elvis star in the show, um, Honeymoon in Vegas. That's it's awesome. awesome. I, Quentin, I, I can't see Quentin as Elvis, but maybe was blood coming out of his face or something, but. Totally different, different appreciation for Elvis music now. <laughs> Carrie Sue, did you did you want did you want to uh, say anything about uh, what you're doing now? That I mean, everyone always says, you know, how did how did you get into teaching manners and etiquette from being on ships? And it's like I I didn't have any formal etiquette training. Um, I just had my mother and my grandmother and my aunts that you know growing up would in my ear, and then on ships you know, in the nineties, there were still, you know, the formalities of the VIP parties and the captain's cocktail party and um, all of that. And so oh yeah, and the tines on the forks and the salad and which way the knife goes and the. Exactly. Exactly. And then on the, on the longer cruises over in Europe, not only did you have a captain's table, but senior officers, we had to host a table. And so I always found myself in a little bit of a teaching role. And then one of the guys that I worked with, um, his name's Ray Williams, and I've tried to track him down. Um, and I cannot find him. He was on Facebook, but he's not active. Um, he was a butler, a formerly trained English butler. And he left, he left being a butler and came to work on ships as a concierge. And so Ray and I worked on tours together and Ray 
I loved it because I always had questions about the rules and the why behind etiquette. And so he and I, anytime we worked together, we did, you know, as cruise director, we're also in charge of the programming and all that. So we did a um, table manners and party how-tos with your very own Butler Ray. And I was always surprised as to how many people would show up to that, you know, learn tons of stuff from him. And then whenever I moved to land, um, somebody that, Suzanne, our friend that called us adult newborns, she said, you need to be teaching these etiquette classes. And I'm like, okay, sounds fun. And so I took the youth coordinator side of me and the cruise director side and kind of melded them. And I get to work with kids and teach them that manners and etiquette, they're important and they're helpful. So I have, we have classes in Oklahoma City and Edmond. But I got to ask you one etiquette question. Uh, I don't know if it's really etiquette or not, but um, uh, you can either confirm or debunk this. So when you have your butter knife, when you put it on your plate, like where the sharp side is facing inwards, it's supposed to subconsciously mean that you trust the person next to you. If you accidentally, if you lay your, with the blade facing out where you could, you know, cut somebody like that, subconsciously, you don't trust the person next. The story, the history behind that is you never point a knife at somebody. So back in the day, whenever there was lots of drunken debauchery at meals, not that that doesn't happen anymore, (laughs) there was a knife pointed at someone. Then that, so that's where that comes from. Um, So you are to always keep your facing you it is deemed offensive and point your knife at the other person i have oh. never ever heard of that but then again i learned most of the stuff that i learned was on ships because you know i didn't learn etiquette when i was young besides the very very basic stuff but i didn't know any i've never even heard of that yeah i i i struggled with that too because uh, when I became chief purser, kind of like you mentioned, we had to host a table at least once a week mm-hmm. uh, with guests. Uh, at first, I was just having my first purser just pick out people, you know, problem people, you know, kind of smooth them over and that kind of stuff. It, it turned out that that was just an opportunity for them to just complain a lot more. And so... <laughs> So, I started, um, yeah, I, so I started going through the manifest. I'd get the manifest the first day and I would pick out the people from Oklahoma. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and those would be the people that I would invite to my table. And man, that worked out way better. I had a great time and I didn't have to worry about, you know, doing things right too much. <laughs> I would ply them with good wine and it was, it was a good time. Thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. My pleasure. It was, it was great. great talking with yes, you. Thank you so much. Now I know who to call for my etiquette lessons. Absolutely. Yeah. Let me know. She's a big deal in Oklahoma. Like every, whether you or Ricardo are posting on Facebook or not, other people that are having dinners and stuff always are tagging you in there. So she's a very big deal in, in Oklahoma City for etiquette. Thank Bye-bye. you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay. So when I eventually make it out there, you know, obviously post COVID or something, I just need to come out for a weekend and we can do a podcast. I, we need to meet up with uh, Ricardo and, and Carrie Sue. They're so um, nice. Yeah. They're great. They're such a nice couple. Yeah. That was really cool. I, again, I really liked her too. I mean, it's, it's, it's just so nice meeting, you know, these people, like I said, I'm looking forward now to going to Oklahoma and I don't think I've ever said that before in my life. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> that is that is a phrase not often mentioned. Broken another one down. Yeah. Yes, you have. Hey everyone, the ship is about to set sail, which brings us to an end for today. We hope that you enjoy the podcast. For bonus audio, and if you would like to see this podcast in video, please visit our YouTube channel, My Ship Story. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as My Ship Story. Don't forget to let us know if you're a past or present crew member, and if you have a story that you would like to tell, or if you like, you can email us your story for us to read on the air. Email us at myshipstorypodcast at yahoo.com. That's myshipstorypodcast at yahoo.com. Goodbye for now, and be sure to tune in next week, same time, as we'll have a new podcast every Monday. Bon voyage!